0: Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who most certainly is coming. The word of God which we receive with joyful hearts this morning is from the book of Numbers, chapter 23, verses 16 to 23. Then the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go back to Balak, and thus you shall speak. So he came to him, and there he was, standing by his burnt offering, And the princes of Moab were with him. And Balak said to him, What has the Lord spoken? Then he took up his oracle and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and he will not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord is God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. For there is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It now must be said of Jacob and of Israel, O what God has done. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. In our three Sunday Advent services so far, we've looked at the names that men have given to altars that they built for the Lord. And these names have revealed to us what the Lord meant to these men and to us as well. Yahweh Yara. The Lord sees us and knows us, and provides for us. Yehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner to guide us and to be with us. And Yehovah Shalom, the Lord gives us peace. Not just the absence of conflict, but the fullness of his blessing. Today, however, is a little different. Because today, we're not looking at an altar built by man, but one built by God. Indeed, more than an altar, a temple. For God's people are his temple. And we're not looking at a name that men have chosen, but a name that God has chosen for this temple, his people. And therefore, we're looking at what we mean to God, and what he sees when he looks at us. For he has given to his people the name Yehovah Zidkenu, the Lord our Righteousness. This name is given to us in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verses 15 and 16. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which she will be called, the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah, the prophet of the Lord, was imprisoned because he spoke the word of God, and the people of Israel did not want to hear it. Even King Ahab, as wicked as he was, never went so far as to imprison Elijah. But the people of Israel in the time of Jeremiah so thoroughly rejected God and his word that they threw Jeremiah into a cistern. And because they rejected God and his word, God rejected them. They were destroyed. They were dispersed throughout the Assyrian Empire. And yet, nevertheless, God gives this promise to them and to us. That he will send one, a branch of David, who will again gather his people. As we talked about two weeks ago, the banner that gathers together his people. And that through them, his people would receive this name, Yehovah Zidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. In our text this morning, the situation is not that much different. The people of Israel had many times refused to listen to God and his word. We can think of the events of our text this morning as a courtroom. There we have God sitting as judge. The people of Israel are the defendant, those accused. And the accuser, the prosecutor, is none other than Satan himself. After all, the word devil, the name devil, means the one who accuses. And there is Satan bringing all the evidence before God of Israel's rebellion and sin. And there was plenty for him to choose from. When God sent Moses to them to deliver them, they didn't want to listen to Moses. Pharaoh didn't want to listen to Moses, but God's people didn't want to listen to him either. When God finally did bring them out of Egypt, they constantly complained about how they wanted to go back. Just just over a month after God gave them the Ten Commandments and they heard the voice of God from the mountain, they built a golden calf and worshipped it instead of the Lord. When God told them to go up to the land of Canaan, they refused. When God told them not to go up to the land of Canaan, they insisted on it. They rebelled against Moses, God's chosen leader, and tried to put somebody else in Moses' place. And just a little bit after our text, they're going to have an orgy in the wilderness dedicated to the worship of a false god, Baal. Satan brings all these accusations and many more before the judge, accusing the people of God... And the judge's response, God's response is, when we read our text, I don't see any guilt. I don't see any sin. I don't see any iniquity in Israel. You can imagine Satan the prosecutor pulling his hair out in frustration. What are you talking about? Look at all this evidence. Look at all this sin. How can you say you don't see any sin in Israel? The judge's response, all those things you've mentioned, Jesus has already pled guilty and paid the price for us. There is no longer any guilt in my people. Yehovah Zidkenu. The Lord is our righteousness. This is the name that God gives to Israel. It's the name that God gives to us as well. Righteousness means that which is straight. That which is in alignment. That which is perfectly balanced. In Leviticus 19.36, we read, You shall have honest scales. That's the same word there, zidkenu. You shall have righteous scales, righteous weights, a righteous ephah, and a righteous hin. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. This is the idea of righteousness, that which is balanced and correct, right? Which lines up. Okay, this pulpit doesn't quite line up there. Maybe over here. That's pretty good. <laughs> where the bubble is right in the middle. We probably have all uh, been frustrated with trying to level things out. I remember seeing a video, I think it was uh, probably a cartoon when I was a kid. But I don't remember exactly where it comes from, but I remember seeing a video of a man trying to trim his hedges, and he doesn't get it quite right, so he takes a little more off this side, but then that side's a little too low. He's he a little more off this side, and keeps going back and forth until there's nothing left of the bush just the other day i was trying to straighten my tv it hangs on a iron plate on the wall and there's four bolts in that iron plate you can loosen them and straighten that iron plate that the tv hangs on so i loosened the bolts put the level up there made sure it was nice and you know the bubble right in the middle and you guys know what happens next right you go to tighten the bolts as soon as you start tightening the bolts, up, it gets off a little bit. You loosen the bolt, straighten it, loosen, tighten. Yeah, I eventually got it close enough for my wife's taste, anyway. It's difficult to make things level, to make them perfectly aligned. This is the, the righteousness that, that God is talking about. Canu, that which is straight and level and in balance. One of the Bible's favorite words for for sin is iniquity. Iniquity is the opposite of righteousness. Iniquity is that which is out of line, that which is crooked, that which does not balance correctly. This is what God requires of our life. It's difficult enough to align a TV, but trying to balance our lives is impossible. This is the righteousness of God. When we try to balance our lives against God's word, it it always comes up short, missing, misaligned by by quite a bit. We don't even need actually God's word to prove that our lives are misaligned. You know, normally you can't measure a thing against itself, right? You know, if I wanted to, to make sure that my level here is... Per, is aligned is correct. I, I can't first measure the pulpit and, and then use that to measure the, the level. I assume that this thing is nice and balanced and that my level is aligned and therefore they kind of prove each other pretty, pretty close there. But if I wanted to prove my level was aligned, I'd, I'd have to use something else. But you can prove that our lives are misaligned when we measure ourselves against, her, when you measure your deeds against your words, they don't come out balanced, do they? When you measure your actions against what you say you do, when you measure the, your fulfillment of your promises against the promises that you have made, they don't come out aligned. When you measure what your deeds against your expectations of others. When you complain about others and criticize others, do you measure up to the same measure which you use? Remember Jesus, the measure you use, you will be, will be used to measure you. When we complain and criticize others, we're measuring them, but we ourselves usually don't measure up to our own expectations. When we discipline our children... Do we ourselves measure up to that? That doesn't mean we should stop disciplining our children, of course, but it shows how our lives are out of line even with our own words, much less with God's word. But God's righteousness can be seen when God is measured against Himself. God's deeds do line up with his words. That's what we hear about in our text this morning and in our gospel reading as well. That God's fulfillments are in line with his promises. His deeds are in line with his own commands. We come out like Belshazzar the king. Remember, he was weighed and measured and found wanting But God, when he is measured, is found fulfilled in his word. Look at our text this morning. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he spoken and will he not do? Has he spoken and will he not make good? The righteousness of God is clearly revealed, clearly seen. In his actions versus his words, perfectly in alignment. We see that even in Jesus. God sent John the Baptist. Remember, God sent John the Baptist to proclaim baptism. That was God's word to the people of Israel. Be baptized for the repentance of sins. And now Jesus comes. And some people say, well, why does he need to be baptized? He he did no wrong. He has no sin to be washed away. And yet he does, doesn't he? The first thing he does in his ministry is to go and be baptized. Why? Because God had proclaimed, that was God's word to the people, and as he proclaimed, so he did. Jesus measured up to the word that he gave to the people. His deeds are fulfilled. His his promises are fulfilled. Psalm 119, you know, you open up to almost anywhere in Psalm 119 is a long psalm. You pick almost any verse in Psalm 119 and it reminds you of this very truth. Your word is truth. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. What your lips have spoken, you will perform. The righteousness of God demands that he fulfills what he has promised, and what a wonderful thing for us. Because what he promises us in our text is Yahovah Zidkenu. The righteousness of God demands that he give to us the promise he makes us today, give to us that name of his righteousness. And we can't balance our lives. But God can. This righteousness is is something that that God accomplishes through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. We we read in Isaiah 51, verses 1 through 3. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. You who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him, for the Lord will comfort Zion. Seeking righteousness sounds like a, a good thing. Doesn't the Lord want us to do that? Yeah. And yet he rebukes, this is a rebuke. The first uh, few lines of, our, of that, those verses there are a rebuke to the people of Israel. He rebukes them for their seeking of righteousness because they are seeking in the wrong place, in the wrong way. Don't seek righteousness in yourselves, God says. If you want to seek righteousness, look to the rock from which you are hewn. In other words, look back to your ancestor Abraham. What does the Bible tell us about Abraham? Genesis 15:6. And Abraham believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Abraham found righteousness from the Lord, not from himself. God gave it to him through faith in Jesus, through faith in the promise of the Messiah, just as he gives it to us as well. This righteousness, it, the Lord is our righteousness, right? It's a righteousness that comes from him. A righteousness that God alone will accomplish. Again in Isaiah 62, For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, and her salvation as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. You know, when we're trying to level a shelf or a, or a TV, we usually get to a point where we're like, okay, good enough, right? Close enough. But God promises us in our text, He's not going to keep trying until it's good enough. He says, I will not rest until her righteousness shines forth. He's not going to stop until that alignment is perfect, until that righteousness of God is ours, and therefore he will give us that name, Jehovah Zidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. You know, normally, if you want to win at something, usually the best strategy is to play your game Right, on your home field according to, to your rules. If Michael Jordan and Bobby Fischer were to play, who's going to win depends on what game they're playing. right? they play basketball, it's probably going to be Michael Jordan. they play chess, it's probably going to be Bobby Fischer. I admit I don't know how good Michael Jordan is at chess, but I don't think he's going to beat Bobby Fischer. Right? Normally, the best strategy is to play your game according to your rules. With God, the opposite is true. That's what God is telling us. When we try to play our game according to our rules with God, it's a failure. Even according to our own words, we are out of alignment, unrighteous, condemned before him. Much less according to his, his words. Yet when we, play by his, when we play his game by his rules, that's when we find righteousness. God's game has two rules that he reveals to us in our text. First, God is not a man that he would lie. What God says, he does. What he declares, happens. Second, he declares this, that he will give to us the name Yahweh Canaan, the Lord, our righteousness. When we play by his rules, He must give us that righteousness which comes from him. We cannot lose. This is why David declares in Psalm 23 He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake, right? David was the one who understood I have to play by God's rules. His name is what gives me righteousness, not mine. He has spoken and he will not relent you are a priest forever through Jesus Christ. Yehovah Zidkanah. The Lord is our righteousness. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.